Hello guys, welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend. It's the NTT20 betting show, returning after an Easter hiatus. Just couldn't fit it in, couldn't fit it in. It's amazing how out of kilter my whole life gets, George, when there's like a tiny tweak in the weekend schedule. Friday and Monday games, what? I don't even know what mm. day it is right now, but how are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. I mean, we're struggling to fit this in as well, to be fair. Um, you know, we've both had quite a busy week. I feel like I have had a microphone in front of my face talking to you even more regularly than usual, which is quite weird. It's also because you don't want to miss a single shot of the Masters, so we have to get this out of the way so we can get on the sofa. You've already missed an early Correct. an early Swafford birdie and an early Fratelli bogey, so sorry S- about Sandy that. Sandy Lyle, four over through four. Oh, my God. Uh, this, he's, just made, he's, just, he's just made a seven on four. Give it up, Sandy. Give it up, mate. I'd probably prefer to back Lyle Taylor round Augusta than Sandy Lyle, but anyway. Well, you and I, you and I played yesterday, mm. and the fairways were quite sandy, so we had quite a few Sandy Lyles ourselves. Yeah, and struggled with that. Anyway, this this show is the betting show. We're going to go through some betting picks ahead of the weekend's EFL action. This show, therefore, is for over 18s only, but also we really want to stress the message of responsible gambling because punting comes with a lot of risks. Uh, we ask that no one bets more than they can afford to lose. Be careful uh, and head into the weekend with, with hope in your heart, but uh, with restraint. We had, well, we tweeted some picks on Monday. We couldn't record, but actually the the, the day went fairly well, um, not in keeping with previous weeks of this pod, George. So maybe we head into this with a, a smidge in a form. We, we both napped up Pompey, which one you had, a, to be honest, you just had a great day. Sheffield Wednesday at 3.4, winner. Port Vale at 2.9, winner. Not just winner, thrasher. Thrasher. Um, you, you don't get more money for that, though, do you? Depends why you're doing it. <laughs> well, no, no. Uh, and Peterborough, uh, you tipped up, would have been a clean sweep uh, if not for Aidan McGeady's free kick. Uh, I picked uh, Bournemouth as well, who won, MK Dons, who didn't, uh, and Rochdale and BTTS was very much a no. Rochdale and Ipswich failing to even hit the target between them in 90 minutes. But uh, heading to the weekend, I think somewhat refreshed, George, and excited for it. I'd love to know what your best bet of the EFL weekend is what your nap is my nap is Nottingham Forest to beat Bristol City at 29 to 20 um I yeah I'm very surprised by this price I think we're seeing that the market understandably doesn't rate Bristol City at the moment and with good reason because they are very poor um any renaissance that we saw earlier on under Nigel Pearson seems to have fallen by the wayside but the, the difference is is that any renaissance we saw was on the road it was away from home their former Ashton Gate is it's enough to make you feel quite sick when you look at it um they've lost seven games in a row they've scored one goal in those seven games now I, I'm always a little bit um put off getting on bets at the end or, or kind of during these ridiculous streaks because realistically they're not just going to keep losing games and keep not scoring goals but they are this isn't anything new, their struggles at Ashton Gate. Um, they've, they've hated playing at home for a couple of seasons now. And they're coming up against the Forest side who are in really good nick, who look to me like they are working out how they're going to play under um, Chris Hewton, working out how they're going to be an effective force under him. And it's not dour defensive football by any stretch. They uh, Last time out, we saw them beating a very, very informed QPR side 3-1. Last away game, we saw them go to Cardiff and, and, and win that game 1-0. They went to Brentford and, and weren't beaten. This just seems like a, a really obvious case of, of one team on the ascendancy um, having 
bought into what the new manager's doing and another one who, who are still really struggling despite Nigel Pearson's best efforts. They've got a, a range of attacking options now, Forrest, as they have done all season that they're finally using. Alex Mighton looking very lively on the left-hand side. Uh, James Garner pulling the strings in the middle with Kravinovic, the creative force in front. Lewis Graben back in the goals with a with a long ranger um, we saw earlier. It just one team is better than the other here and, and all the trends point in that direction too so um, yeah I think Forrest are a strong one here at uh, just shy of 6-4 to four. Nice that's exciting I think you're fully ensconced in the championship this weekend which I'm pleased about because I'm avoiding it entirely uh, in fact my big stance of the weekend and my nap Blackpool to beat Lincoln uh, in League One this weekend. Uh, two to one best price at the moment with Skybet, standout price as we record uh, early on Thursday afternoon. It'd be really interesting to me how much this price changes um, before kickoff. Lincoln, let's talk Lincoln because there's a lot of uncertainty here. There's a lot of things we cannot be sure of. They had a COVID outbreak at its very beginning. They played against Oxford. They lost against Oxford. They actually played okay, but they only had, I think, four outfield players on the bench. They were playing without a recognised striker, and it really showed. But, I mean, ultimately, the, the performance wasn't horrendous, but they were evidently up against it, and their runner form has been poor. Then they had to close their training ground fully uh, and postpone both Easter weekend games. So the training ground was closed for 10 days. They didn't play over the weekend. By the time this game kicks off on Saturday, they won't have played for just over two weeks because that Oxford game was a Friday night game. And it's really difficult to sitting here in my little box room in my flat where I've been for nine months while this season has raged on. I still don't know for sure what these COVID outbreaks have done to impact teams. And I think, depending on your mindset, confirmation bias. You can all you can either decide if you think Lincoln might win, you can tell yourself, well, they should be fresh because they haven't played any games for just over two weeks. They've had some time off, rest their legs. But I think there's also a case to be made that they will be rusty. I don't think... <laughs> it's just your own confirmation bias. Yeah, yeah, it is. Of course it is. I mean, I can't I'm, I can't deny that I'm exempt from confirmation bias like almost <laughs> every single punter in the world because I'm not a robot. I, I personally think that teams who have come back from a COVID break have suffered a bit of a COVID hangover. So, you know, they haven't trained until today. So they have two days of training before the game. That's fine. But I don't, I don't look at Lincoln's break from football and think, yes, they're going to come roaring back here. Now, partly that's because they've, they've got injuries as well. I mean, George Grant, their best player, arguably, or at least their most consistent performer, I would say, and kind of the heartbeat of their midfield. I'm 99% I'm sure he's out. Hopper's been out for a while. I think Morton will play up front. So they should have an actual striker, which will help them. Um, but, you know, they're missing... Um, What's his name at the back as well? The the lefty, Walsh. And, um, you know, they're, they're slightly up against it. And Blackpool themselves have more than half a dozen players out as well. But that's been the case for a while. And I think, you know, we answered that our question in the summer, how on earth are all of these players that Blackpool are signing going to contribute to their first team this season? Well, that squad depth has really come to the fore now. That question's kind of been answered. They've been excellent recently, obviously. Blackpool unbeaten in 13 games. I mean, you can stretch back a number of date ranges all the way back to mid-October and Blackpool pretty much come out at the very top of the division. Regardless of all the match preview minutiae about training and COVID and injuries, basically I think Blackpool are a much better team than Lincoln City at this current time. And that's not really something new, I don't think either. If you look, 
at the fact that through seven games, Blackpool had four points. Lincoln had 16 points, 12 points gap between the two teams after seven. Blackpool now ahead of Lincoln. So that shows that over the last 30 games in which Blackpool have the best record in the whole league, 30 games being two thirds of a season, and Lincoln have a, a mid-table record basically since then after that hot start. So they're, they're kind of comparable to Reading, I think, in that sense, Lincoln. In terms of the actual league table, this is two playoff teams playing against each other with one point between them. By the way, I rate these teams currently based on, yeah, the last four months. It's a top team, you know, a top-tier team for the level playing against a mid-table team. Um, I just think Blackpool are in such unbelievable nick at the moment. Um you know, Yates's goal scoring aside, the, the two goals that he didn't score on Monday were some of the nicest team moves I've seen all season. And, you know, yes, Gillingham were allowing them maybe a bit more space than, than other teams would. But I'm just really excited about this. You know, the, the price itself, 2 to one, I just, you know, based on how I see these teams, I think is very generous. You absolutely rightly, when I spoke to you about this earlier, you pointed out that this is one where you personally would, would definitely want to wait for the team sheets, right? Due to the mm. uncertainty, due to the lack of info, I guess we have on Lincoln after this break. But sadly for, for this show, George, we don't have that luxury when making our picks. So I, I think there's a good old chance this Blackpool price goes off a lot shorter by Saturday, 3 p.m. And I think Blackpool will just run all over Lincoln. Um, so I'll probably back them to win to nil, minus one <clears> as well. <throat> Uh, I'm really excited about this one, I have to say. More bullish about this than I've been anything that I can think of over the last month or so. So Blackpool, my nap this weekend in Super League nap. 1. I'm getting nervous as I say it, but there you go. Uh, what's next for you? Millwall to beat Swansea um, in the early game on Saturday. Uh, you know, the prices that they can kind of 7 or 4, both of them, you can get a little bit of kind of nine to five about Millwall. So they're just about the outsiders. And again, that just doesn't seem to tally with my perception of these two sides at the moment, because <clears throat> with Millwall, we know what we're going to get. They, I mean, I think Jed Wallace put it perfectly when he was on the pod a few weeks ago, where he said, what we are is we're a team where you've got to be good to beat us. You know, even when we're not at our best, we are not going to roll over for anybody. And that that's fair. I think they have a pretty consistent level of performance and recently, that level of performance has been good enough for four wins in their last five, beating Derby, Borough, Rotherham and Stoke. They lost the game against QPR 3-2. So again, you know, a very tight game that they came away second best from. Swansea, I think, in their current guise, are a bottom six, bottom eight team in the championship. Somebody pointed out to me in my DMs that they're currently 1-16 to to finish in the top six. I mean, I would if you've got any outstanding bets on Swansea, I would get out of that pretty quickly. Because you can't that, you can't back the other side of that though, can you? Well, no, not really. But there are ways you can get against it. Um, that's just totally wrong. I mean, there, there is no. I mean, they might end up finishing third, but there is no way anybody can make a case for them at the moment, given what you know, given that Reading and Bournemouth are, are, are basically picking up points fairly liberally. Um, They've only got no four more points than Bournemouth and three yeah. more points than Reading. It's, uh, it's total nonsense. Um, they've been so poor for the last few weeks. And, you know, Preston were good value. You look at Preston's two wins against two of the best teams in the division, supposedly. Two of the top teams in the division. Swansea and they Norwich. Drew, they drew against Norwich, but I get Sorry, the point. Sorry, the, the two performances. The, yeah, I mean, both were kind of late goals. Um, against Norwich, they basically didn't get a kick of the ball. Against Swansea, they were good value for their for their win. Like, it was chalk and cheese, basically. Um they Birmingham missed a penalty and nil nil before winning the game. 
against Cardiff, you know, they have to nail puff, but the fact is that Kiefer Moore missed the second best chance of the game after the goal to make it 2-0. Things are getting pretty nasty there. Fans turning against Steve Cooper. Um, they're just a, a poor side at the moment. And I and I think Millwall are, are a key team where, you know, they're a bit like a Stoke, where I think if you don't turn up at your best against Millwall, they're just going to happily pick you off. Um, I think Millwall are the more likely winners of this game. Uh, and yeah, I'm happy to have them as my second. It was my next best at nine to five. My next best is Bolton. Um, they're playing against Harrogate this weekend. They're <coughs> at home, Bolton, and they are two point one in a lot of places to win, which I like a lot. Um, this was previously my nap. I, I like to work from the bottom up, League Two, League One, Championship. When I go through the docket, um, and this was this would only have been outnapped by something special like that Blackpool pick. So they, I don't know why I'm, ta- I don't know why I'm talking them up so much you this week. Love it. There's yeah. n- there's literally no value in me doing so. I should just I should just I should literally just read out my picks, not say anything else. Just <laughs> n- meek and mild, seen and not heard and, uh, and and slink off into the weekend. But anyway, Bolton to beat Harrogate. Um I I wonder what this price would be had they picked up the results that I think the balance of play and their performances deserved over Easter weekend because they only picked up one point from two games. But genuinely, I think you really can put this down to a case of poor finishing, you know, just poor in front of goal. I think the performance levels were still high. I think in both games, they had large periods of dominance. And I'm, I'm, I'm guess I'm just grateful um, that, that that little blip, uh, as the bookies might have seen it, has has clearly lengthened their, their price here for me. Kieran Lee and Owen Doyle were the main culprits there. I think these are two good players for the level and I don't think that, that, you know, if I just don't see this poor run of finishing continuing, put it that way. I think these these players are too good for that to happen. Uh, a friend of the pod, Lee Tennant, mentioned that outside of Doyle, they probably aren't getting as much as they would want from the three in the four-two-three-one, playing out wide and, and in behind Doyle in terms of goal output. Um, and that's very fair. Um, I wonder if some of them might might take a grip of this game. I just think they have threats all over. Probably my favourite part of Bolton's team are their fullbacks, Declan John and Gethin Jones, I think are excellent. Uh, in the last six weeks or so in this good run for Bolton, they've both scored winning goals or certainly um, well, they've both scored goals. I slightly bottled it because I'm not 100% sure they're both winning goals. <laughs> um, I know that Gethin Jones's was. And I expect Bolton to dominate this game. I just hope that they'll take a chance or three when it falls their way. I mean, defensively, they've been excellent. Their last 15 games, Wanderers, they've only conceded seven goals, less than a goal every other game, and only conceded more than one in a single match uh, once, which was a 3-2 win against Mansfield. They've scored in, well, they had scored in all of those games as well before those two blanks on Easter weekend. So for me, the, my, my general feeling about Bolton is that they are playing very well and they are right up there at this level at the moment. Whereas Harrogate, decent side, a team I think we've both enjoyed their first season at this level. I think if they were to finish where they are right now, which is around 16th, that would be considered an excellent debut season. Um, but they're in poor form at the moment. They haven't won in five um, and they haven't scored in their last four. And I, I mean, that is a bit of a misnomer. It would be wrong if I didn't tell you that in the last four games where they haven't scored a goal, they've actually had the fifth most shots in the league and the eighth most shots on target. So a bit like, Bolton over the weekend some poor finishing certainly a factor here but for me a big part of this is Harrogate really good really competitive 
in basically all of their games this season, apart from when they've played the top teams. That's been a step too far for them. Uh, in 11 games against the current top seven, they've lost 10 of them. Uh, the one win was against Newport, which was during that run where Newport only won one game in 12. They certainly weren't playing like a top seven team. So I, I think that trend is is a strong one for me here. Bolton to be too strong for Harrogate. And I'm really surprised at their price at 2.1 at this stage of the season. I would normally expect a, a team in the in the form and the position of Bolton to be much shorter at home against a team in 16th that haven't won in their last five. So, um, yeah, no no real <clears> issues <throat> with Harrogate in general. I think they're, they've been playing at their limit all season and maybe that's just slipping a little as the tension dissipates. You know, they're, they're 13 points above Southend with a game in hand. They're 15 points about Grimsby, above Grimsby. They're absolutely safe. Um, and I'd rather be on a team at the moment with everything still to play for than one who I think it's it's hard to imagine could be at their absolute limit in terms of motivation and performance. So Bolton, next best, 2.1, which leaves? Well, it's kind of on what you were just saying about um, about teams who have something to play for against those who don't. And mm. I'm tipping up Birmingham to beat Stoke yeah. uh, at over 2-1 two to one or 2-1. to one, Positively throbbing with <clears throat> motivation right now. Bowie's Blues. Yeah, they, they are bleeding motivation. Bleeding motivation. Um, yeah, Lee Bowie has improved them straight away. And and that that is not a massive surprise to me. Um, I think he's someone who, maybe long-term, that there might be deficiencies tactically with him compared to someone like Ita Karanka. But I think in terms of coming into a relegation fight, instilling some belief and using a difficult situation to, to improve the mentality and get the players believing in what they're doing... It's no surprise at all. Um, you know, we've heard the players come out and speak about just how positive a change has been for them to have him managing them. You look at their recent performances and results, you know, even the 3-0 loss against Watford, they had their own fair share of the game. And I think the, the performance was much closer than that scoreline suggested. They then beat Swansea and, and were good value for it. They were very good against Brentford away from home in a pretty tight game. And they come up against the Stoke side, who, as I just mentioned, I think will pick off teams when they're not at it. But at the same time, they have really disappointed at times this season. Um, and it feels like they're kind of there for the taking. At certain times, they they, they are not going to get promoted this season. They're not going to get relegated. Um, and they're coming up against a, a, a previously wounded beast who's now got a little bit of belief. Um, and I expect Birmingham to, to serve it up to them. Um, I think if this game is being played in about three weeks' time, when um, when you know we're really at the business end of the season, it would be massively factored into the prices that Birmingham are the team here who have a lot to play for. But that doesn't seem to be the case at the moment. Birmingham two to one, Stoke six to four. I think those two are the wrong way around. Um, Birmingham the more likely winners in this tie. It, I, to to steal one of your favourite podcast tropes and an impre- and a, and a very good one by the way. If Thank you'd you. have told me, yeah, four weeks ago. You'd be back mm-hmm. in Birmingham to win a, a game of championship football. I'd have been astounded. But there you go. Plenty can change. Things change. People change. <laughs> Managers change. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to be on a team with everything to play for. And that applies to my next pick. And that is Tranmere, who are playing against Scunthorpe this weekend. And Tranmere are 6-4 to four to win this game. 2.5 with Skybet. Uh, they've only won one in their last six games, of course, that coincided with the injury to James Vaughan. So let's get the bad news out of the way when it comes to Tranmere, which probably goes some way to understanding the price, because ultimately this is a team, I think, in third, or if not third, then fourth, uh, playing against a team 
right down the bottom of, of the, the bottom half of the table without much to play for. But James Vaughan's injury has been clearly quite important. He was scoring a lot of goals. I genuinely can't remember an injury with 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 such little information about it, mate. It's been a few weeks since he it was it was mentioned that he was gonna miss some time. He was gonna have knee surgery. I think we all know that there's a lot of different types of knee surgery and some of them mean you're out for nine months and some of them might might be, you know, a very, very small procedure. There's been no information about, as far as I can find, and I think I'm quite good at finding out information when it comes to EFL clubs and injury news, um, no information about the, the injury, the extent of it, the type of procedure that he had, no suggestion of when he might come back. Um, it's all quite weird. Have you have you seen, we, we've, We've had a tweet about it. I mean, I know you tweeted about it. We've had a reply eight minutes ago okay. from Sean Kelly saying, and this is interesting for a few reasons. I was at Keith Hill's press conference post-match on Monday and he was giving little away. Just said he's not fit at the minute. I remember reading something a while back, though, that it's not easy for clubs to give out injury info due to GDPR laws. What? No idea if that's true. So maybe there's like a data protection issue, which means that now you can't disclose personal information about players. Okay. Well, I'd like to take back everything that I've said. Um, I think it's absolutely the right thing to do to completely withhold any information about the injury to your star striker. And I'm sure Tramia fans agree. I'm sure they're not absolutely tearing their hair out at the um, lack of transparency of it all. Anyway, it's not just Vaughan. Scott Davis, the goalkeeper and the captain, he's out injured. Maybe, maybe adding literal injury to injury, Jay Spearing came off early on Monday with a hamstring as well so I don't expect him to be out and and that is top line stuff it's not great is it but it's not a bad team Tranmere for this level they've got a good squad they've got good players outside of their first team and I don't think they're playing that badly I know the results haven't been coming and the and the absolute humping by Ben Tozer and his long throw on on Good Friday <laughs> was was you know pretty chastening stuff but you know, I think they were the better side against Cambridge and massively unfortunate, gubbed basically by a horrendous penalty decision. Um, interesting that you mentioned Sean Kelly, who replied to our tweet, because I've been reading all of his match reports that he's been doing for Prost International. He was at the game on Monday. Um, he was pretty effusive in what he said about Tranmere and their performance against Cambridge. Mentioned a tactical tweak, which is interesting. Uh, I remember you telling me a few weeks ago that Paul Lewis was playing false nine, which was yeah. quite good fun in the match where it worked, but maybe not that fun as an actual tactic going forward. <laughs> so this tactical tweak saw uh, Danny Lloyd and Kane Woolery kind of playing up top together as split forwards. Uh, and Sean reckons that, you know, it was a stark contrast, he said, to previous lineups. And it was a move that benefited those players individually and Rovers as a whole. Lewis was able to get back into midfield, where he's undoubtedly more comfortable, while Lloyd brought new energy and dynamism to the attack. It also helped Woolery, who had extra support at the top end of the pitch and was able to share the creative burden with others. It gave the Cambridge defence so much more to think about rather than if Lewis remained in the sole forward role. So I would hope, based on what Sean says, and I do really like reading his stuff, so I would trust him in what he has to say, that Hill will go with this option this weekend against Scunthorpe. Um, most of this is about scunthorpe because i get the feeling they'd rather not be playing these matches at the moment you know a little bit like what i said with harrogate scunthorpe's worst case scenario this season which for what the first third of the campaign looked very possible would have been a, a relegation to non-league now a nice little burst of form from kind of mid-november until the end of february saw them get well away from from the likes of south end and grimsby 10 points clear of it now i i i, I 
I'd give them a you know a one percent chance of being relegated. But recent performances, they've been there in body, if not necessarily in mind. I think um, against Carlisle in midweek, missing players, specifically three big strapping centre backs missing. And what do Carlisle like to feast on? Well, it's it's set pieces, it's aerial balls into the box, uh, and and Scunny couldn't handle it. It was actually their first loss after five unbeaten. But of those five, four of them were draws, two of them being late, late equalisers, the other two against Southend and Crawley being pretty desperate performances. And I I think, you know, I think that was a bit of a misleading, unbeaten run, put it that way. In four of their last seven, Scunthorpe, they've not even managed to generate 0.5 expected goals in those games. And I think they're, they're really struggling at the back. Um, but it was basically all Neil Cox talked about after that game in midweek was just lack of height at the back, struggling from set pieces, so I'm pretty excited about Peter Clark and Manny Month here. Uh, Month is, I think, around 40 to 1 to score first. So I think that'll be a nice little addition to my bet on Tranmere. Scunthorpe lacking motivation, lacking some strapping centre-backs. Tranmere throbbing with motivation, lacking some key men. But I think with a strong squad overall, uh, I'm all over the 6 to 4 with Skybet, which leaves, George, some bonus selections. Yahtzee bonus. <laughs> we don't do this again, do we? No. Uh... <laughs> I'm backing Sheffield Wednesday to do it again um, away at QPR. They and I'm going to back them to do it minus one, you know, um, mm. because because of the manner of that victory. I, and you know, I, it's a shame that we didn't do a betting show before Monday because I'd have done a whole bit about how that was coming. Um, luckily, you tweeted the, the tip, so it was not as if it's just classic after timing. But their performance has performances have been better. They've been much more attacking. And finally, the floodgates opened as they've been threatening to do. I think we can anticipate a similar approach here. Um, I think that when teams take it to QPR, QPR normally serve it up straight back. I don't think we're going to see a QPR side look to sit in. Again, it's another example of one team with a hell of a lot to play for against another one with very little to play for. Uh, And it wouldn't be a massive surprise to see Windass, to see Reach, to see Rhodes, to see... You know, the, the players who really impressed um, Patterson too with that unbelievable goal to go out and enjoy themselves again. They're quite clearly playing with a whole different um, belief in, in what they can do this season. Um, and we know that under Mark Warburton, QPR have it in them to to, to drop, the odd, drop the odd ricket. I mean, I wouldn't be averse to backing minus two as well at, at kind of 20 to one. Um in case, in case we do see history kind of repeating itself. It, it reminds me a little bit of Wigan at the back end of last season, this, where... The wind is in their sails. They've got, you know, not an injustice, but a, a, perce- a perception of injustice. Where if they were to finish in the in the, rele- in the relegation zone, but would have been out without the six-point penalty, they're going to feel very hardly treated, very harshly treated. Um, yeah, I, I think under under the new management, we're going to continue seeing at least to the end of the season the Sheffield Wednesday side giving it a massive good go, and uh, wouldn't be a huge shock to see them put a couple past QPR in my view. They're, they're they're about to win the game as well. I think at kind of five to two. Just just give me a moment. I'm just trying to place a Colin Morikawa Sheffield Wednesday minus two cross nice. score weekend double at around uh, six hundred to one. So just yeah. give, give me a moment there. Um, Shrewdy. I've got a couple of bonuses. A couple of boni. God, it's so partridge that isn't it? Uh, sorry. Yeah. Um, BTTS and Rochdale. I picked this on Monday, and it and it's basically the worst bet of all time because Rochdale drew nil yeah. nil with Ipswich, and neither team had a shot. Uh, but I'm kind of back at it again. Rochdale are a massively weird one on the xg ratio tables at the moment because got the latest fox punter offerings, and and there they were over the last th- over the last eight games. 
third in League One for XG ratio. And in that time, they've played, I think, six of the top seven or eight teams. So looks like a big, big outlier. I've gone back through. I think there's definitely layers of context missing, um, important context. They've been behind for much of those games, of course. Um, but I also think it's fair to say that, that Dale's, you know, d don't be blinded by the results recently because they literally have played the best teams in the league. And I actually think their general performance level is okay. So I think there's a win on the horizon for Dale. And look, their next four, they've got Fleetwood away this weekend. This is this bet. Then they're at home to Swindon, Accrington, Blackpool. You might look at those home games and licking your lips, but actually they've only won seven games this season. Six of them have been away from home. So I think it could be this weekend against Fleetwood. And in all but one of their, oh no, in, in five of their seven wins this season, they've won with BTTS. It's almost like, and you, you mentioned it on the Totally Football League show today, they either go for it, create quite a lot of chances, but give up a lot of chances because they give up a lot of space, or they decide to sit in and completely squash games. And I think they might have to go for this one against a, a Fleetwood side who I can't quite work out at the moment. They're, they've undergone such a transformation, Fleetwood, like in the middle of a season, not only in managerial terms, Barton leaving under that kind of strange set of circumstances where you, you, my understanding of the kind of subtext was Fleetwood are basically cost-cutting. I think the chairman is is really trying to be, well, he wants the club to be less financially attached to him. But the, the reality is Fleetwood are a tiny club in terms of their own sort of organic revenues, if you will. So I think there's a bit of cost-cutting going on. We've obviously seen Evans and Paddy Madden leave mid-season. When else would you see something like that? Um, and that says to me they're trying to get some high earners off the books. They're trying out some younger players. But it just looks like a, a much a much different Fleetwood side to what we saw last season, you know, as they finished the season strong and headed into the playoffs. They, they are playing quite well under Simon Grayson and they've picked up quite a lot of wins under him. But I, I, I watched their game against Wimbledon on the weekend. They got a late winner when the bloke charged down the goalkeeper, didn't he? And, and that was kind of a, a fortunate three points. So I think Rochdale could beat Fleetwood this weekend. If they do, I think it'd be BTTS. And at 9.5 with Skybet, that is my main bonus. As for centre-backs, uh, Jake Cooper, who was our biggest, most famous winner last season, some bookies have, have, have gone to sleep on him. I think they think he's a different player. He's back out to 40s with a few bookmakers to score first at the moment. And as discussed multiple times last season, someone of his size playing for a team like Millwall, 40 to 1 is just too long. So while he's 40 to 1, I'll be betting on Jake Cooper. Uh, I'm going to be doing the same, as mentioned, with Manny Month of Tranmere. So that would be a nice double. Uh, of course, the, the, the summer holiday maker double. George, anything to add? If not, please will you remind me what your three championship selections oh, are? Oh, not this again. And the bonus. Yeah, Forest to win Ashton Gate is my nap. Uh, Millwall to beat Swansea next. And then Birmingham at home to Stoke. And Sheffield Wednesday minus one for the long shot. Championship only. Love it. And I'm basically no championship whatsoever. I'll just be watching every Millwall set piece, hoping that Jay Cooper scores. But otherwise, I'm all about Blackpool beating Lincoln. That's my nap. Two to one with Skybet. Uh, Bolton beating Harrogate. 2.1. Uh, and Tranmere 2.5. Six to four. Also with Skybet to beat scunthorpe uh, my bonus bets rochdale and btts against fleetwood on the weekend at 9.5 and then my manny month and jake cooper they're both 40 to 1 i'll do each way bets on those two as well thank you for listening to this week's betting show i hope for some of you it was a welcome return uh, after last weekend it's been a long time since we had a weekend off this show it's been great to be back we head into it with a lot of positive energy and i hope we can say the same for you guys pubs are open on monday 
the Masters is on. We are some very... Oi, oi. We, we played golf together yesterday and we're some very happy campers, if you're wondering. Grand, Grand National on Saturday, loads of football. Everything is getting better. Brilliant. Well, what a nice way to end. Guys, have a great weekend. Go well. Uh, let us know what you fancy. Uh, let us know how you get on and please do bet responsibly as well.